What's up, advocates, and welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast, episode number four. Before I get into it, remember that our podcast is sponsored by Fortez Health. Guys, you got to wear your masks. Whether you think it's violating your right or not, you got to put a mask on, especially as public adjusters, claims adjusters, or anybody. We're going into people's houses. Some may think that it violates their rights. Some may not. Be respectful. Put a mask on. You go to Fortez Health. You buy some masks. You put in the promo code VINCE20, and you'll receive 20% off. Pretty good deal. And the masks, to be honest, are my favorite. I swear, I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. It seriously is my favorite mask. Very easy to wear and very breathable. Today on the Claims Gain Podcast, finally, episode four, we're going to be interviewing Andres Belen. Andres Belen. He is a water mitigation specialist. He's been a water mitigation specialist for about five years now, and his company, All Star Servicing West. All Star Servicing originally began in Miami, Florida about 10 years ago, and he opened up All Star Servicing West in the Tampa area. Uh, he's a little bit south of me, but he's still in the Tampa area, and he basically services all of Central Florida, I would say, and the guy's amazing. He's a smart guy. He's a good guy, which in my opinion is the most important thing when you're going into business with people, you have to remember that, frankly, it's hard to find good people to, to, to sort of go to business with. And he is a good guy. He is out there not looking to do anything except make sure that the homeowner is taken care of and make sure that the homeowner is, um, is, is dried out the way it's supposed to be. And, um, you know, we talk about stuff where if it seems fishy at all or anything like that, he's out, he walks away. And that's the kind of people that I want to do business with people with integrity. Uh, but we talk about all kinds of stuff. We talk about the water mitigation cap, that $3,000 limit that you water mitigation specialists have to deal with. We talk about uh, a couple of stories about full payments that he got over uh, $3,000. We talk about Hurricane Michael, which is really when he got a lot of his experience was during Hurricane Michael. Some pretty cool, brutal stories there. Um, we even talk about if you're interested at all in being a water mitigation person, the amount of money that you could make as a water mitigation specialist and having a water mitigation company. It's pretty good, guys. I'm not going to lie. Um, and the investment that it takes and stuff like that. And then just the uh, dangers of fraud and making and dealing with the insurance company and how to deal with them and stuff like that. So I think you're going to like it. It's a pretty good podcast. We had a great conversation. I've known him for about a year and a half now. So it was he's just a cool guy. So I hope you enjoy it. Andres Belen. I call him Dre. I'm sure you can call him Dre. All-Star Servicing West. Google it. You could find it anywhere. Um I don't have the phone number here, but I'll pop it up right here and I'll pop up the website right here throughout the whole thing anyway. And uh, yeah, enjoy the podcast, guys. See you later. All right, we're good? Yeah, I think we're good. Welcome we go. to okay. the Claims Game Podcast lower, lower with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. Cool. All right. Back on. Let's do this again. Maybe I'm too loud. Who knows? I probably talk, I probably talk too loud anyway. All right. So, Dre. Uh, not Dre. Andres Beling. Yeah. Friends call me Dre, though. Yeah, exactly. And now we've been friends for what? About a year now? Yeah, for about a year. Yeah. That social media world is a small world, isn't it? Very small world. I I remember when I right after I came back from Panama City, uh and you know, people in the industry know type of devastation that was up there. It was up there for about 8 months and um once I came back down and um 
I knew I was going to stay. That was the first thing I started doing, getting on social media, trying to contact with a lot of people. And almost immediately when I sent you a message, you automatically responded and uh, that's all she wrote. And then uh, at a bar, had a drink, and became good friends ever since. Definitely. <laughs> Funny how things come around. But that's good. That's good something to touch on just for other people, whether you're water mitigation, public adjuster, or any kind of business person. It's just the importance of, of really getting yourself out there. Yeah, um, absolutely. Networking is, is, is second to none. I mean, it's very difficult. Um, especially when it comes to marketing, things like that, you know, especially for my business, you know, half of people don't even understand what mitigation means. So just getting in the door, I just, I can't say mitigation because they're, they're telling me, well, what the fuck is mitigation? And that's an hour conversation right there. So yeah, it is very difficult. That's why I found it, uh, very resourceful to contact with, uh, public adjusters and working alongside with them. Uh, cause you know, a lot of people tend to know what public adjusters do. For the most part, you'll be surprised. Yeah, I, I I know a lot of people don't even understand that term, but at least it's a little bit easier when when I come in and talk about hey, mitigation. Yeah, and building relationships, probably right. To me, that's the most important thing is building good, strong, positive relationships with people where you could you could go out and have a drink with them, and you know, and still do business with each other. Absolutely. Um, I like like I said, this business, um, unlike other businesses. It, it all relies on networking. It all uh, relies on uh, who you gel with, who you can work with. Because um, when it's all said and done, your name is on that claim right next to theirs. So it's imperative. You know who you're working with. Yeah, it's super important, especially, you know, I mean, we have to make sure that we document everything the correct way, present it to the insurance company the direct way so that there's no questions asked and everything is just sort of good to go. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was in the details. I mean, Thank God my wife handles all that. But yes, in <laughs> um, every job, you're talking about easy, 100 to 150 photos. Documentation is the key. Um, and usually if you dot all the I's, cross all the T's, I really had very few opposition from insurance companies when it comes to payment. Well, tell me, tell me about that. Your role as a water mitigation expert when you walk into a house and a loss has occurred. What's like, what's sort of the things that go in your head? Let's just say, I guess, if, to be more specific, we'll do like just a water damage, a kitchen, kitchen pipe leak. Yeah, well, um, first thing we do, we go ahead and we, we assess the damage. We take a look at it um, because by policy, it's for emergency services. So we have to go take a look at everything, see, see where the damage is, seeing if it's something that wasn't uh, pre-existing because that's another thing. It's called emergency water service. It's not six months ago service. So <laughs> right. we have to go and we have to assess the damage, make sure it is what it is. Because um, uh, a lot of clients, they, they just don't, they don't understand. They just say, they just say they have damage, but if it's, it has to be the right damage, because when it's all said and done, we're abiding by the policy that they signed for. They just never decided to read those 80 pages, but <laughs> luckily we do. <laughs> so we gotta, we gotta stay within the rules. Um, once once we see that, um, if we see if it's an easy repair, like a P-trap or braided lines, we'll go ahead and take care of that. If, if it happens to be the main lines, that's when we usually bring up a, a licensed plumber. And I will stress that, licensed plumbers. Don't use some guy on the side or what have you, because the insurance companies will not accept that. So it has to be licensed plumbers, especially when it comes to the actual hard lines 
coming in, you know, going into the kitchen. Absolutely. The other stuff, handyman's not a problem because that's something that anyone can take care of. So that, that that's not an issue. Yeah. Small repairs and stuff like that. No big deal. But yes. yeah, when it comes to like, when you're having to like break ground floor, you're having to like remove all kinds of supply lines, especially where you just got active water moving around. You have to know how to turn the water off. I mean, you have to know how to sod, you have to know how to really put those pipes together and stuff like that. Yeah. That takes a licensed plumber and you're right. It's better to present to the insurance company, somebody licensed that some, than some Joe blow on the street. Yeah. Uh, Cause what we're doing is emergency repair. We're not doing permanent repair. So anything you touch, that's one thing you will stress to the client. If it's not your regular handyman stuff, you're telling them you're doing a temporary fix. Um, if it's really bad, you could do something temporary and then have a plumber come afterwards. But uh, you're there to stop further damage, which is the oh. whole point of mitigation. So I want to make it clear. So you're okay with doing that for other water mitigation guys out here just starting out or whatever. You're okay with going in there, doing a temporary minor repair, as long as obviously you're doing your job in emergency services so that the damage doesn't get worse. Homeowners don't know how to do that shit anyway. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You do um, your dusters. Yeah, we're, we're there to stop further damage. We, we're actually helping the insurance company uh, by stopping the loss. Because the more continued loss, the more they have to pay. And we all know they don't like paying. So we're actually doing them a favor. Gotcha, gotcha. And how do you know? Obviously, you're going to know if you if, it, if you could establish exactly where the loss is occurring, you know exactly what to repair if you're able to repair it or if you need a plumber. How do you know exactly how many machines? What are the kind of machines that you use? How do you know how many, exactly how many machines to use? How are you able to determine all that stuff so that you could present an honest and fair estimate to the insurance company where that they're not going to be like, well, I don't think you needed that and I don't think you needed this and stuff like that. How do you determine all that stuff? Well, one of the things a part of mitigation is um, even though there's no prerequisite for uh, being licensed as far as water mitigation is concerned, um, it does help. I'm fully licensed IIRC trained, which therefore there's a certain specs per square footage, which we use the machines uh, for the drying process. And we explain everything to the client, even though it's a little Japanese to them. Uh, we just want them to feel rest assured that we're not coming in to rip their whole house apart and throw machines everywhere and they don't understand. Um, so for instance, your standard kitchen, which is about eight by 11, uh, per spec, you would use a, um, an industrial humidifier. Um, you would also use some air movers and you'd also use a HEPA scrubber. So it could remove all, all the contaminants from the air and it could also dry all the contaminated areas. Most of the time when you have damage in the kitchen, it's usually uh, moisture in the cabinets. Um, if there's hardwood floors or laminate that got damaged as well, um, laminate's a little bit difficult to salvage, uh, but if it's hardwood, there's a chance that you could salvage the hardwood floors without having to do any uh, like removal and stuff like that. I mean, it'll be a part of the claim regardless, but to a client and they have this big hole in their floor, and they have to wait three to six months, um, it could be very nerve wracking. So we try our best to accommodate them, but yet still get the drying process done so we could avoid more. Do you do anything like to, to, to try to help with the hardwood floors, anything like invasive that you do, like as far as not, not removing, but do you try to like stick anything inside, drill any kind of holes or to like dry it from the inside out? Or is that something that you just have to let go for a little while, let the insurance companies see it, let them pay for it. And then you guys, and then they uh, replace it. 
Um, it, it's it's a sum of all those situations. Sometimes yeah. you can do heat induction. Sometimes if the moisture is not uh, that grave, you know, we, we, we could do spot drying. If it's really, really bad and it's like considerable damage that's involved and we have no choice but to remove it, we will remove it. Uh, sometimes it's to the uh, client's benefit and the adjuster's benefit that the damage stays there as long as it's dry. So then when they come and do the inspection, it's overwhelming. Uh, we've had some instances before that even though we took hundreds of pictures showing them the damage, um, we had a lot of field adjusters question, oh, well, why did you rip it out and this and that, da, 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 da. so sometimes we'll leave it there so there's no, no possible disagreement. I mean, it's right in their face. Yeah, it's a touchy subject, right? It's something that I've had conversations with my attorneys and stuff like that. It's so weird because you don't know sometimes how you should go about it because you already know you can't destroy evidence, but you can't let it sit there and let it get wet. So it's like it's it's almost you're stuck between a rock and a hard place in some of these claims where you're not sure whether do I rip stuff up? Do I leave it for them to see? But if I leave it for them to see, they're not going to come out for another six or seven days anyway. What's going to be happening within those next six to seven days? Those machines only do so much. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like that's why I think it's good for, for a lot of the claims to have a public adjuster. So at least even if the public adjuster may not know either what to do, at least it's somebody you could sort of bounce ideas off, call the insurance company, find out what's going on, let them know the situation. Hey, we're going to be doing this because of this. Here's your photos, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I know there, there are a lot of mitigation companies will – will try and handle it themselves by going directly to the insurance company without even filing the claim. Um, well, it, it is a claim, but to me, it really doesn't benefit the client because all they're gonna do is pay for my services. Meanwhile, they still have damage. And then if their own uh, insurance guys come over, they're gonna look at the damage and not assess it properly, underpay them. So then they're paying out of pocket, which the whole point of the policy is that you have to return it back to its original state. Well, the only way that can be done is that if it's paid properly. So I always try and really work alongside adjusters because when it's all said and done, it's all about the client. I mean, the client is the one that has to get full restitution. Right. And I think it's this is a subject that I did why I told you beforehand I wanted to get into, which is I think a lot of people are going to be wondering is like, how have these limits and uh, small law changes in the law, how have they affected you in regards to $3,000 water mitigation limits and just different things where it just sort of ties your hands a little bit more than it used to be? How has that affected you? Yeah, um, the reasoning for the cap is uh, before the cap was established, um, I guess insurance companies felt that the, um, the mitigation companies were going way too far. They were charging way over what they felt was, was uh, acceptable. So uh, I guess it went through legislation. They agreed it'd be a $3,000 cap. If you see that your job is going to go over, you would, need, um, you would need permission from the insurance company, which I would say eight out of 10, they'll tell you no, which defeats the purpose because, okay, I'm not going to be able to dry it out thoroughly. And um, by the time you guys come here, we're going to have mold and you're going to have even more problems. So yeah, it, 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 it is quite hindering. And when you have to constantly call back for more approval and more approval, it's all about dollars and cents. So, you know, so most of the time, if you tell them, well, I need to do more and it might be an extra three, then they want to hassle you for another week. Oh no, it shouldn't cost that much. And meanwhile, it's like, okay, meanwhile, now, now we got mold. So now what? Now it's going to cost you even more. 
So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I, I try and do my best at times, even if I go, even if I know my prices will go over, depending on the situation, especially with the clients. I mean, little old ladies, they're my Achilles heel. I'll I'll do so much shit for free is ridiculous because I'm like, this poor lady got all this damage. You know, she's trying to use her sink and her kitchen and what have you. And it, it just breaks my heart. So there's a lot of times I, I, I let a lot go just for the client's sake. You are. That's why I like you. You're a big softy. <laughs> no, but uh, I've seen you, though. We've worked a number of claims together where you have gotten above and beyond that 3K, that 3K uh, limit and have been able to settle for more. Yeah. Some insurance companies, well, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, you'll get some adjusters. You'll, 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 citizens. You'll, you'll citizens. That citizens that's the one, right? Yeah. Citizens. Uh, let's see. Um, Tower Hill. And there's, there's a couple of others, a couple of others that they'll just send you a nice little letter. They don't budge. One is it. Be happy. And no, you're not getting any more. Right. So when I deal with those insurance companies, I do it on a per case basis. So I'll just see the situation as far as the client's concerned and all that stuff. And I do whatever I can, you know, to, to, to make the customer happy, but yeah, they're the most difficult. Um, some insurance companies don't even question it. They just say, okay, as long as I provide the proper documentation and I can prove you're on a shadow of a doubt, plus all my licensings help as well. I'm fully trained, insured, all that good stuff. So they're like, even when they do and try and challenge me, I'm like, okay, you have no idea what's going on, but let me enlighten you. And usually by the time I'm done, they're like, okay, fine. And no pay. So can you, give, can you give me an example of a story like that? Oh boy. Okay. Um, as a matter of fact, um, one we had recently too, that I, uh, I, I know there was one that you were just like, yeah, cause I know Gloria went back and forth with them and they were, they were able to, I don't know. You tell me though. Yeah, um, as, as a matter of fact, I, I, I think the claim uh, the claim was uh, the one we had on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe, um, what was that client's name? You don't have to say the client's name. Well, it, it was the one on Reddington Beach, if I'm not okay. mistaken. That one. Uh, they, they, were, they were questioning the, uh, the extent of damage and what we had to do to dry it out. They felt that it was only concentrated in one area, which in fact, it was widespread. Um, and they said that it was almost impossible that it originated from where it was to where it ended. And, um, my wife, you know, kept going back and forth with them. It's like, look, this is the damage that we found. And yes, it did come from this area and it it did spread to that area, whether you want to believe it or not. But with all of our documentation, um, we were able to prove that yes, it did. And, uh, you know, they went back and forth and we were able to come to a settlement at least. Uh, which benefited everybody. So it was above, above the 3K cap. Yeah, we were, we were able to get, a, I believe our overall invoice was about probably six. I was able to get at least five. So it wasn't bad. And yeah. sometimes they denied good. that claim too, didn't they? Yes. Yeah, I remember. They denied that, which just the fact that they paid me lets you know they're, they're accepting something. I mean, they're accepting, they're paying something. I mean, if they denied it, that means I shouldn't have got paid as well. So why'd you pay me? You paid me to do what? 
<laughs> well, I mean, I had I had a guy explain to me recently where it's like, you look, you did your job. You went out there to do what you had to do. You did your measurements. You did your moisture detector. You saw water. You did what you had to do, like whether, you know, the damage has been there for a long time or it was caused by this, this or that. You did what you had to do, so you should be paid. So I have noticed that there are times where that does happen, where water mitigation gets covered, that gets paid, and the claim gets denied. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. Yeah, I find it weird because... I mean, maybe there's some loophole that they could use to play that game, but I mean, just common sense. You approve for me to do this because this damage happened, but yet you're not claiming the damage. So what did I do? Well, I already you told you, they got a long ass <laughs> email from me explaining how the hell are you going to pay water mitigation and not pay these clients to do the work that they need to do? Yeah, it's like if I just showed up there for the hell of it. Hey, you mind if I throw these machines out here? <laughs> exactly, right? I was there for a reason, you know? Right. <laughs> so it seems like you've been doing pretty good with that. I know, uh, the, you know, one thing I love working with you is because you've got, you've got a really solid operation. Uh, I know that you guys are originally from this company started in Miami, right? 10 years ago. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, the, the uh, I guess the home office is in Miami. And uh, once I retired from AT&T uh, about, uh, about five years ago, um, 25 years was enough for me. So I said, look, guys, I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, I was trying to figure out what to do. Uh, staring, I mean, eh, the first three months was okay, but the walls were closing in. So I said, all right, I, I got to do something. It has to be something outside. I can't work inside. So uh, to make a long story short, my nephew in Miami is, is doing the exact same business. And as I started to learn, he started telling me things. I said, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. Um, I'm out there providing a service that customers need, and um, I'm able to help them in dire situations, which was my whole career. I mean, I, I was first responder for AT&T uh, for almost half of my career for about 15 years. So whenever hurricanes touched down, we were the first ones on the scene, you know, helping clients, trying to get their communications back so they could talk to their loved ones and stuff like that. So this kind of fell right into what I was normally doing coming in, leaving customers with a smile on their face. Oh my God, can you help me? Yes, I can. So it, it, it's been proven to be great for me. And um, now since I moved up here in the Tampa area, uh, we were able to do a franchise. So now I take care of all the West Coast and that location down there, they handle all of Miami because Miami is a totally different universe on its own. So I think you guys get are able to get, more often than not on the claims that we've worked together, I pretty sure I've seen you get more than a 3k 3k cap and I think the reason is is because you and your wife have a really solid team I mean your wife is out there hounding those insurance companies man she oh, yeah. is following up with them like on a weekly basis or every other day and getting all the documentation bothering me and calling me Vince I need the claim number Vince I need this I gotta make sure I get it for her so that you guys because you guys have a certain time limit that you have to submit all your stuff right yeah from 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 when the machines are picked up three days later we have a 72 hour window in order to present our invoice, um, all of our paperwork and everything. If it's one hour past, they have the right to just go, no. Right. Flat out. So we, don't want that. we have a system now that we make sure that no matter what, it's done in a real timely manner. And uh, my wife has over 30 years in administrative, working in administrative capacity. So, you know, paper and all that organization, office organization, that, that's nothing there. She, she does it like nothing. So what she does is comes naturally to her. I wouldn't have a goddamn clue. 
<laughs> Let's make this clear, everybody. I'm the monkey with the hammer, and she <laughs> has all the good stuff. All right? Let's, let's make that clear. So. She does a good job at it too, because she she's a little bit like of my my style, where it's just she's just super nice with them, and she tries to get along with them and get what she wants. And oh, okay, we'll take your six thousand dollars. Yeah, sure. Okay, we'll take your nine thousand dollars. Yeah, we'll take that. No problem. That's okay. Three thousand dollar cap. What is that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's good yeah. At that it's amazing how a lot of these um, in house adjusters they have no clue what we do out here. Right. I'm amazed that they have no idea what we do out here. All they see is that they, they have like maybe 30 or 40 cases and it's their job to clear them out one way or the other. And they're just so focused on trying to get rid of all these claims. When you start getting technical with them and asking and telling them what you're doing, you actually hear the blank on the phone, like dead silence. And then they go, oh, we'll get back to you. And that's usually when they go to their supervisor and the supervisor is just as inundated. So he's just like, Oh, just go ahead and get to <laughs> Well, Dre, are you usually dealing with desk adjusters like I am, or are you dealing with a specialized water mitigation department? Well, every insurance company is different. Sometimes I deal directly with the adjuster, just like you, or they have an EMS section, then I'll deal with them. But every insurance company does it, does it different. So it, it all depends. Once we contact them, then they'll tell us, oh, okay, you can deal with me direct, or oh, no, we have an EMS section, and we, they forward us over to them. Uh, usually the EMS are a lot easier than the adjusters because they know what we're doing. A little bit right. So they actually talk the checklist down. Yes, 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 yes. All right, cool. Boom. Is the, the adjusters because they have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. No clue at all. Yeah. And, and, and it's sad. Every now and then we'll come across a real experienced one and the conversation will be short and brief. They're like, I looked at everything. I saw your photos. You know what? No problem. But then you got the ones that want to ask questions and nitpick. It's like, Okay, I know what you're really doing. Let's talk turkey. How much? <laughs> and then that right. goes away just like that. Exactly, exactly. Tell me about, I know you got your real, you were thrown into the deep end in a way. Well, no, you said you started about, I know, four or five years ago. But I know three years ago or like about two years ago, you had to hit the road. Did you work Irma too? Um, I, worked a, I, I worked very limited Irma. But Michael was the, Michael was the one. Michael was the one that hit me over the head. I mean, when once Michael hit, uh, that's when my partner called me and he goes, you ready to go? I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. Little did I know. Once yeah. we got up there, the devastation, dear God, it was incredible. You're talking about was, people living in their homes 30 years. I was talking to somebody the other day and it was funny because from one year to the next, we went from Irma to Michael and in Irma, it was funny because Irma hit Miami, I think as like a category two or three, or I don't remember, but whatever. It was like, sort of like hit or miss. Some houses had damage. Some houses didn't have damage. You'd go to one house it'd have a lot of damage. You go to another house it barely had anything. And it was just like some mm -hmm. do, some don't. But I just remember thinking about Irma and that when I was in the panhandle and I was like one, hundred percent of this place is damaged like every single house is damaged there is not a question every single freaking one it was Everyone. insane it was so bad the first eight months we were there because we we actually showed up there right after fpnl cleared the area see that's another thing i remember mitigation guys when you guys go out of town hmm? 
Do not go into that area until FPNL has cleared the area. You go might as well. Way. Don't get crazy. Just you might as well wait a week. Sometimes even two weeks. Because if it if, yes. if it's bad, it's you're just going to be sitting there picking your nose, waiting for them to clear it out for you. Absolutely, and they will not let you in. So you grab all your guys, all your gear to go up there, and guess what? They're going to stop you right, right at right at the county line. Is like because National Guards was out there, everything was out there. So. I suggest that you go on the FPNL website. Once they allow clearance, then go. No, and then good luck finding a place to sleep. Yeah, we 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 got we got really lucky in my car. I got so lucky. I had to find a hotel in Tallahassee yeah. in order for me to get back to the. I was in the Panhandle. I was yep. in uh, I was in uh, yeah Panama City. I was mm -hmm. there the entire day, and then I I was like ah you know I'll find a hotel, no big deal. What? <laughs> For three hours, I was sitting in the Denny's. I ate. I had dessert. I was waiting, just calling one hotel after the next after the next. I started in Panama City, and I didn't find one until Tallahassee. And it was like, I mean, it was a roach motel. Yeah. S some some guys found um, hotels in Alabama. Oh, so yeah. Right went up to Alabama. I got lucky because um, I have family in Tallahassee. Even though it was still like an hour and 45 minute trek, we did that for a little bit till we finally pulled the trigger and we just got a trailer. That's the so, way to go. For, for eight months, me, wow. six other big dudes living in this trailer <sighs> wasn't pretty. How was that? That was, that was that's crazy. What was, a, what was a typical day like? Oh, I mean, as soon as the sun came up, we woke up. Screaming, let's make the donuts. And we head on out there. We meet up with, with the numerous adjusters that we were dealing with that morning. We have our meeting and then, okay, let's get cracking. And, you know, literally every house was demolition down to the frame. There was nothing salvage. I mean, half of the time there was not even a roof. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. So we, we, we were just in pure demo mode, ripping everything out. I mean, anything that was able to get ripped out got ripped out, except for the frame. So yeah. we, we would strip down the whole house in about three days because right? we were nonstop just going at it, going at it, going at it from dawn to dusk. Yeah, it was sad. I remember I went over there and my intention, I literally, I went and I, I went to the local hardware store here in Tampa. Tampa was fine. So we, we didn't, we weren't missing anything. And I went and I bought, I probably bought about 12 to 15 tarps. I bought a ton of uh, packets of water bottles and you know, you were in there doing, you were in there doing real good work because you're salvaging their house as best as you can. Me, I just felt it was weird, man. Cause I went there so soon after that for me to go and say, Hey, I'm sorry about your house. Sign my contract so I could represent you. It just didn't feel right. So I went over there. I was like, I'm going to go over there just with the intentions to help. And I did, I got rid of all my tarps in two days. I helped put those suckers up there, which weren't easy. It's not easy. You know, I'm a public Look, I'm wearing a collared shirt. I'm not supposed to be doing that stuff. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I, was, I was up on those roofs putting tarps up, man. I was helping people salvage their home as well. And I was doing it all, you know, technically for free just because I, I just I just felt I felt so bad for those well, people. Well, in all honesty, that, that's what separates you from the rest. Because some of them, while these clients are still trying to figure out where all their stuff is, they're like, sign this contract while you're at it. It's like, uh, Tough. No, you got to give them some humanity. You have to, you have to, you know. So soon after an event like that, you yeah. have to be. Yeah, I, I mean, no, you, you, you have to understand that they, they went through the most traumatic thing in their life. You know, these are memories. I mean, I've been in homes where kids' photos. I mean, it, it, it was um, 
It was an older woman with the husband. So you're talking about at least two or three generations lived in that house. So you can imagine all the memories, everything, kids, toys, grand, grand, all, all of it gone. All of it, anything salvaged, mold from the from the door to the back. So everything had to everything had to go. She actually left. She goes, you tell me how long it's going to take for you to gut this house out. I'm going to, I think she went to, actually, she went to Alabama. She goes, I'm going to Alabama with family. You let me know when it's done because I cannot see you guys take this out. I can't because it, it, it was killing you. It was killing you. And, and, this, and the stories, I'm sure you heard them every single day, day in, day out. The story of the actual night of the event. I mean, it was some, that was some scary shit. One story Ooh. they told me. I could never picture it out of my mind or I could never get it out of my mind. Uh, we were working on the house. The neighbors came. Oh, can you sign us up? Da, da, da. We're like, sure. We, we actually have a public adjuster that we deal with. So we called him up while he was on his way. She told us that her, the other neighbor down the block, um, they said that they were looking for their 82 year old father. He was missing since the storm. <sighs> house the the roof ripped up everything was ripped up he was nowhere to be found three days later uh about four blocks down uh the police reported well someone reported that there was a man in a tree and they thought it was odd when the police went over there this poor man was impaled about 10 feet up on a tree either it was a tornado or something happened to actually lift him up off of the ground and he was impaled on that tree. That never, when people want to talk about, oh, hurricanes aren't bad. Well, it's hurricanes, and guess what? Tornadoes touch down too. Of course, I tell people all the time. I said, first of all, a hurricane is a basically it's one massive tornado yeah. with with hundreds of mini tornadoes inside of it. Yeah. Do not underestimate the power no. of a storm. I don't care if they tell you, oh, it's only, it's only a, a two, it's only, no, no. Cause that's how you see that some houses are fine on that same block and then one is totally destroyed and the next one is fine because those tornadoes come through. When I first started, obviously I started in 2008 and I was already, I was reopening Wilma and Katrina claims from 2005. And all the re the main reason why I became a public adjuster was hurricanes. I'm going to be rich. All I want is hurricanes, hurricanes, hurricanes. Well, unfortunately, I guess for me, I didn't get a hurricane for eight fucking years, eight or nine years. No freaking hurricane. We didn't have a hurricane here from 05 until 2017. So, you know, nothing, right? So I got no hurricanes and I'm like, all right, well, thankfully I was able to establish a pretty solid business without any hurricanes. And we got the hurricanes and it's just, it's just weird because yes, it is great for business. And there's a lot of industries that actually make a lot of money. It's almost an economy booster. When you talk about construction, when you talk about restoration, when you talk about grocery stores, when you talk about, you know, all kinds of the only people that really lose money, let's face it, is the insurance companies when it comes to hurricanes. Yes. That being said, they're fucking scary, man. Very. Um, one of the clients we had, they decided, they said that they were at the point of no return. They had to stay. So they Don't, said. Can I say interrupt you real fast? Like we've got hurricanes coming now. And I will tell you, I just all, advice to everybody that if a hurricane is coming at you, get the fuck out. You need to get out. You need to get out fast. Yeah. If, if, if you have the opportunity to leave, by all means, leave. 
Um, we had we had one client and she told us a real scary story that her and her husband decided to, to ride out because they, they couldn't leave. They said the storm was coming and it was too late. And they literally went from room to room as sections of their roof was ripped. So they were in the kitchen. So when the roof ripped up from the kitchen, okay, let's go to the bedroom. They went to the bedroom. Oh, let's go to the bathroom. They literally went to every room until their second bathroom was the only part of the roof that was still standing. And I'm like, how did you guys survive that craziness? And of course, the husband in true fashion, he goes, Jack Daniels, baby. Yeah, right, exactly. So, hey, I'm like, hey. And yes, only that little section up there was was left of everything else was gone. Everything was gone. Do you remember? Do you remember just the site of Panama City? Like, you remember how just it looked? It's just crazy. And if you have you, when's the last time you went back there? Because I went back there a few months ago, and it was, it still, it still looked bad. Um, I haven't been back since, but um, my nephew from time to time, um, he had people working up there, and he'll post a picture or two. And yeah, I mean, the palm trees are still all, all bended on the highway and stuff like that. And and you know if if Anyone in Florida knows palm trees are damn near indestructible. And for them to be permanently bent, like literally almost like at a 90 degree, you know, the winds were severe. The other thing about Michael was I think a lot, I think it went very under, under reported. I feel like yes. that was like the same year, either the year that was either the same year or the year after was um, uh, the hurricane in Puerto Rico. And you remember everybody was up in arms because that hurricane flattened Puerto Rico. But I remember saying while I was in the panhandle that this was just as bad. Absolutely. Not to mention code enforcement over there was very lax. You had very, very old homes, extremely old homes, historical homes from oh, the 1800s. Right. So, you know, we had a lot of clients that their homes were oh. part of the historical uh, society there. And I mean, just totally destroyed, totally destroyed. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, it wouldn't have taken much to knock them down. Right. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Yeah, it was brutal. It was brutal. But um, you know, we got these two storms now. Have you seen the? Have you seen it now? We've got one that might be hitting Texas and one that might be hitting us. Yeah, I, I saw that. And as, as usual, it, it's it's a bit morbid for our first responder guys because this is how it used to be in AT and T, and a lot of people didn't understand it. But whenever things were coming. As as far as us as a group, we would get all we get all excited. We're all like, "Oh shit, it's coming! It's coming! It's coming!" And it wasn't for like, "Yeah, here comes the destruction." It's like, no, if it does, we're ready to help. So, you know, a lot of people don't understand that logic that we we're actually like cheering for it, but they don't understand when you're in that position that you feel that there's no hope, and what are you gonna do for someone like me to come and just do one small thing? makes a big difference. Then someone else will come, give them a little bit more. Someone else will give them water. Someone else will give them this, give them that, so they can get back to normal. I mean, oh, I remember helping out. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I, I really wanted to sign the claim. I really, really wanted it. It was a church, all right? A massive church that was just totally, just half of it was just gone. Bricks, literally just a pile of bricks. And wow. I really wanted that claim. I went inside and there was like water damage everywhere. And I'm just like, wow, this is serious. So uh, the head pastor was there. I talked to him real quick, let him know how I could help and stuff. Claims process. He's like, okay, that's okay. I'll get back to you. Well, I think he was either while I was there or the next day, they were doing a whole food drive and they were going to be giving away food for everyone. And I spent the entire day there. I'd say a good six hours. I was there 
just packing up, unpacking all the food, unpacking all the water, bum, bum, bum. And then when it was time, there was a line to like the end of God knows where of people just needing food. And we were just, we literally were making plates of food so that they could have dinner. And we were making, well, those styrofoam things that, that close. We we're giving those out. And then for some people, we we're giving out a box of them just of just prepared meals for that day so that they could eat. It was, it was crazy. I didn't sign the claim though. Yeah, but man, you, you know how karma is. You always wind up get doing bigger and better things. I mean, look, look what you're doing now. Ah, I know, I know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, what I also wanted to get into, unless you got something more to say about Michael, because that was quite the experience, I think, for a lot of people. Um, mold. Yes. Um, I know you, are, you, are newly, you are newly certified. Yes, uh, just newly certified in mold assessment and mold remediation. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been, um, begging, I've been begging you to get that for a year now. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, no. It, it's, it, it's a lot more technical, and you have to make sure that you're extremely thorough. Um, mold is nothing to, nothing to play around with, uh, especially for people that are very uh, – that have uh, – you know, really bad allergies, they're allergic to a lot of things and stuff like that. People have respiratory problems, which is, you know, really prevalent down here. Um, older people, things like that. So yeah, well, mold, mold is, is definitely a concern. Absolutely. How do you handle a situation where, I don't know, I don't know how you want to answer this, but how do you handle a situation when you're just like, not sure, like, all right, what am I doing here? Am I doing water mitigation? Am I doing a mold test? How does it work also? Cause it does confuse me a little bit. I don't know if there's a way that you could help clarify. Can you do the mitigation when you do the mold test? Like how does that work? Yeah. I mean, usually it starts with the visual inspection. Um, we're trained to see certain things that can possibly be mold because we can't say it's mold right off the way unless we test it. Uh, that, that, that's another big problem. Um, that a lot of these um, assessors and uh, remediators do. They'll just walk into a house and if they see something, they just go, oh, you got mold. You can't do that. You have to say, it appears to be mold unless until it's clinically tested, you cannot say what it is. I mean, a lot of guys want to seal the deal and make sure they get the contract signed by saying, oh, it's mold, you should be in fear and when it's not necessarily so. So you have to be very, very careful. Your license is on the line. Um, plus all the information for that mold removal stays permanently on the house records. So it goes to the state and if that house gets sold, it's gonna show at a point in time that there was mold in the house. So you gotta be very, very, very strict on what you say. So if I see something that appears to be mold, that's what I'll tell them, hey, we have something here that's suspect. Um, I wanna go ahead and take a test. We'll see what the results are and we can go from there. Uh, it, takes about, it takes about three days to send out the information um, it's real quick, easy test. Once we send it, we get the results based on the results. That's what we could tell them. Okay. We could handle this as a mold remediation, which means we'll have to do a containment. We'll have to put on the suits and the gloves and the whole thing, rip everything out, use negative air pressure to get all that bad stuff out of there. If, if it comes up negative and it's just like hard water stains and stuff like that, then we'll treat it as water mitigation where we just cut it out and then, and then dry. Because uh, mold and water uh, damage, same thing. It's water. So, you know, we could either handle it one way, which is very clinical, or we could just handle it like water damage. But it all depends if it's tested. So it has to be tested first before you go any further. Because the insurance companies will not entertain it if you just go, well, it looked like it. No, 
gotta have proof. <laughs> so is that what you're doing? Do you, if you have a, if you're suspecting mold at all, it's the first thing to do. It's just yes, ab absolutely. Um, how, long, I, how long does it take for you to get that back? The results in about three days. It takes about maybe ten minutes to do the, the actual test, and then you send it off to a lab. In about three days, it comes back with the report, and it'll tell you step by step. And it's uh, the way how they send the information. It's very easy to read. It's in layman's terms for you to understand, so the client can understand. So then you know what to do from there. Like for instance, the ones, the one that's zero tolerance is black mold. They say if it's a high percentage of black mold, it has to be removed. And I mean every speck that you can find, uh, because you can't <clears throat> you can't clinically test every five feet. So you have to go by visual, and then you do the test at the end to prove if the levels are low. There's a there's there's mold everywhere, everywhere. No matter how clean your house is, it's everywhere. However, it's the high concentration of mold that's the issue. So if you get it down to those levels that, that's acceptable, then you're good. <clears throat> how is it? How do you handle it? So I had a guy in Miami, water mitigation guy, who was telling me that the insurance company was giving him shit because he he ended up getting paid for it, by the way. So it, it all turned out okay. But the insurance adjuster was like, you did the test and you're not allowed to mitigate and you're not allowed to do this, this and that. Yeah. What's yeah. Going on with that? Although I have the license to do both, I can't do both at the same uh, on the same claim because that's a conflict of interest because I could easily say, oh yeah, there there's mold there because I'm going to do the, remedi the remediation. So you need an outside party. So you should always work in groups of two. So Again, work work with an assessor or a remediator that you feel comfortable with that's going to do the job properly, and that's how they have the checks and balances. You do them both yourself, the insurance company is not going to even entertain it because you're like, yeah, it's in your best interest that it clears. H how do we know for sure if it cleared? Right. So you could have them both, but you can't do them both on the same claim. Yeah, any water mitigation people out there who listen to this podcast, it'd be it's vital for you to build a good, strong relationship with some with a mold assessor, with somebody, because, I mean, that's going to be referrals to each other back and forth nonstop. Absolutely. So some of these assessors, all they want to do is testing. That's it. I know. I know one. I know one that I was going to interview. And I still might interview. He's here out in Tampa, which I don't know if I if you'd want me to introduce you to him. All he does is mold. That's all he wants to do. He wants nothing Absolutely. to do with anything else. No, which is a great business itself. Let me tell you. I mean, you could you could do four or five tests a day easily with no problem. And once once the report comes in, here's your report. They'll add their they'll add their input onto it. You know, uh, defining terminology that's on there and all that good stuff. They give them a full lengthy report to the client. Here you go. Pay me. Have a nice day. Which you know that's a great business in itself. I mean, that's one that's one thing clients know. Mold is bad. Yeah. Hands down. There's nowhere like, around it. I'm afraid yeah. to even say it around clients sometimes because I'm afraid how they're going to react. They freak out. Yeah. Yeah. They, they do freak out. And, you know, the, it's the easiest to advertise if, if, if you're doing strictly mold because everybody knows what that means. And there's some people that will call you for the most minimalist of things, but you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'll go ahead and test it. Whether it's positive or negative, I'm going to get paid. So if it makes your mind at ease knowing that that's not mold. I'm more than happy to help you out with it. But, oh, yeah, no, no. I want to meet as many people as possible. What a lot of people don't understand about our industry, uh, there's a lot of industries that, you know, they're all cutthroat and, oh, I can't let you know this person or that person because that's going to put, you know, that's going to put me at a disadvantage. That doesn't exist in our business. Our business is the people we know. 
Yeah. And if we can get along with them, it, I, I can't stress that enough. There, there is no such thing as competition. There's millions of homes out there. And even the big boys can't get them all. And it's not what you know. Sometimes it's who you know. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this business is networking. I mean, yes, social media is important, but a big component is actually going out there, shaking hands, seeing people face to face and uh, getting that getting that common bond. Because, again, you're married to that. You're married to that uh, that claim. Anything that happens to that claim, whatever happens to the adjuster happens to you. The mold guy, everybody that's involved, the roofer, everybody, you're going to go down with that ship. So it's very important that you know who you're dealing with. No, yeah. And, you know, I mean, exactly. We're presenting these cases to the insurance company and they're asking a lot of questions. And you need to make sure that, you know, everybody's sort of on the same page. Because if not, if you're dealing with somebody you can't trust, it's going to be, I, I don't know, that's just not going to say what needs to be said. It's just not, it's just not going to go well. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to go well, or if they cut corners or things like that. Exactly, when it's all that's what it, I meant. It's going to hurt the client, and you yeah. know, it's it's going to hurt your reputation, because a lot of times when you go and you you represent the claim, a lot of these clients think that we work for you, so it all falls on you. It's it's in their eyes. So if it doesn't go right, or I wind up doing something that was shady and it compromised the claim, then you know they don't know who I am. They think I'm a worker. Oh no, no, that that was Vince. That was Vince. So you know it's it's very very important who you deal with. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. I mean, you have to build a strong relationships with people. There was something I was gonna. Oh, you and I talk about all the time. Where I like how you mentioned that. You mentioned how at the end of the day we we're looking out. At, we don't want to hurt the client. Yes, I, I, we, we hurt the client. We hurt ourselves. In so many ways, because if the client doesn't get paid, we don't get paid. If the client's not happy, we're not going to get referrals. Like there's so many ways that people need to understand that, you know, I love, we love hurricanes because we make money and we love claims because we make money. But every single claim that you walk into, if you are, if your best interest is in the client, chances are it's going to turn out okay. And I know yeah. we've had that conversation a lot. No, no, absolutely. It's like I always say, if uh, you go to a restaurant and you love the food, you, you you love everything about it. Yeah, you'll tell one or two people, but if it's horrible, you'll pull people off the street and tell them how horrible that goddamn place is and never eat there again. <laughs> You've told me that before. <laughs> so it, it, that's why you got to treat every customer as if it's your last customer. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And that's why we get along. Yeah. <laughs> How about uh, how about those roofs and stuff like that? Uh, I know you've uh, you've tarped a couple houses for me. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, um, tar tarping is um, well, single story tarps. Those second stories is a little, little iffy for me, but and those first the, the, those first story roofs, I, I could knock out all day. I mean, I mean, again, these clients are having these leaks. They don't know where the hell they're coming from, and they just know it's getting worse and worse and worse. So you know, we we'll come in and you know we'll we'll put tarps up. I actually like doing tarps to be honest with you. Actually, you make your son do all the work. Let's let's face it. Well, I am hands-on. I hold the ladder. You know, <laughs> make, sure, make sure it's not shaky or anything like that. <laughs> no, man, I'm not going to lie. If your son was on here right now, I would tell him you were up there with him on that last claim we had. You guys were up there for like an hour and a half, just like, bam, bam, with the nail gun. Pop, 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 pop. All yeah, over. We, that was a big one. Yeah, we, we make sure that um, – because, see, that's another thing. Uh, a lot of mitigators don't know how to properly anchor a tarp. Some of them will try and use – long, you know, you know, uh, torque screws and things like that, which is going to cause more damage onto the roof, which is going to make more problems for you. 
Um, so what we use, we use the, the, the small little orange um, tappings. And we just put them every six inches all the way around the border. Then when after they do the inspection, when the inspection comes, we'll lift it up. You take a look at everything, then we'll put it back down, and then we'll start doing it in, in the middle and all through the channels of the roof and everything so that it can stay on there as solid as possible. Because if not, you're going to get a parachute effect. Any little wind will come in, and they'll just rip it all out. So, and it, could take, it could take the roof off with it, possibly. Yeah, and, and more shingles, and then all of a sudden, oh, this is not the damage that was here before. What's going Negative. on? negligence happens yeah to all the public adjusters make sure you could remove you have to show rule number one in a roof claim show the adjuster the roof do not nail that sucker down before the inspection if not it's going to be a real big headache for everybody yep uh, a, a lot of mitigation guys they like to use those uh they like to use the wood with like the two or three inch torch yeah. in there and once you try and take it up again you're literally ripping up the roof and right. the top with it. And right there, the field of justice is going to go, what the hell is this? Why are you guys are using this? So yeah, yeah. You've got to use something that's a little bit less evasive and easier to pull on and off. It takes a little bit while longer, but it's worth it. Weren't you going to get the, uh, weren't you going to get some kind of license for the Saran wrapping thing? Oh yeah. As a matter of fact, Oh, good, good thing you mentioned that. Yes. As a matter of fact, we are certified uh, to do storm shield uh, wrap uh, roof wrapping. Those things which, are badass. Uh, yeah. It, it's kind of like uh, how you'd wrap a car before. And um, it, it can last up to a year. It's about nine millimeters to 10 millimeters thick, which is, I mean, very, very strong. And it can last up to a year. Um, but that depends on the house, not their insurance company, would would approve that because it needs prior approval you just don't want to slap that sucker up there and then fight for it later you don't want to do one, i had one done in miami and but it was perfect there was i mean just so many bad leaks from herma like just terrible we had the inspection i think i even came in after hey I, this is one i came in about almost a year after and the leaks were still just terrible so we had the reinspection, and i told the guy i said look i said we got to do this because i know because I think they were denying it or something. I don't know. I just knew it was going to be in litigation. So we ended up in litigation. And I told the water mitigation guys down there and I told the insurance company, I said, we're going to have to saran wrap this thing because I know this is going to take a year before they get paid. There's no yeah. better claim for us to do this. And they did it. They did it. Did a hell of yeah, a job. I mean, if you think about it, it's going to cost more every two or three months. Right. I have to go back out there and retarget. So for that, shrink wrap it. You're talking about um, it, it, it could range anywhere from 8 to $12 a square foot. But it's, it's worth the investment because at least they'll last and the insurance company will know for a fact that they won't have any further damage from that roof and they can process the claim and that's it. If not, I'll keep on putting in more invoices and more invoices. And they, they and that's another thing. They continue to delay. So it's continued more damage. I got to have to mitigate it. I just can't say, hey, I tarped it once. Oh, you got a leak? Oh, too bad, pal. It's the insurance company. They're not paying you fast enough. Yeah, We can't do that. Yeah, it's like that that fourplex we had. Remember, you had to go back out and you had to retarp it. Yes. Oh, oh. <laughs> I know. Uh, long story. <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely you definitely get some fun stories in this business of just some interesting characters and interesting people that you meet on both sides, right? Public adjusters and homeowners. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I, I mean. I am not going to drag this show down two more hours with, with the stuff I've seen <laughs> out there because it's unbelievable. As I soon know. as they hear the possible money they could make, you'd be imagined. I mean, 
they're not thinking of how they're fixing their house. They got they got vacation plans. It's it's, it's insane. Some of these some of these people are insane. Are oh, you talking about homeowners? Yes. So, some of them like they see all this money. It's like okay, a lot. You know, the majority of them is like, hey, I just want my house back to normal. But then you you have some that they're like, yeah, I gotta, I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna buy that. Like, Dude, this is for your house. Yeah. Tell Talk me. Shit. Tell me about that. Tell me uh, what's the potential for people who are interested in going into your industry. What kind of potential is there as far as money's concerned? You don't you don't have to be shy. Is oh it- no, no. Uh, let me tell you the, the the beautiful thing about this industry is that as long as I will stress, pay the money, get licensed. For some situations. In the state of Florida, you necessarily don't need it, but if you're gonna, if you want to deal with claims, and you want to deal with these insurance companies, be licensed, pay the money, get your water, fire uh, restoration licenses from uh, the, the the most recognizable firm is IICRC. They're the absolute best in the industry. They are accepted uh, by all insurance companies. Uh, not to mention, uh, although there's a lot of other courses out there i i would personally recommend that also for your for your mold licensing nothing comes close to normie they're 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 number one in the industry all the insurance accepts them um be fully licensed and trained so you know what you're doing and because of that you'll be able to you know invoice what you properly invoice and um let's let's say easily if you network properly, because I stress networking, if you network properly, you could easily start in your first year and easily start off with two or three hundred thousand uh, in in revenue, and it will grow. Wow! Definitely grow. I mean, um, there's some guys that in less than three years, they're pulling you know, seven hundred, eight hundred thousand, some some over the million uh, million dollar mark easily. Wow. Yeah, it, it all depends on you know your networking skills, how many people you're able to meet and go out there. I mean, I'd say forty percent of my job is networking. Right. Yeah. The rest is technical. So know what you're doing, and you know, then you know, practice your smile in the mirror. <laughs> you got a great smile, Dre. <laughs> you know, this always helps too in the mix, guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what kind of, uh, all the equipment, what kind of, uh, upfront investment would you say it is to start a business like that? It's a lot, right? That's the only thing I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, in your first, I'd say two jobs pays for it. Uh, Really? I would say about 12 grand in machines. So you, you should have enough machines to take care of, I'd say four jobs. That's good to know. About four jobs. I, I would say to start off. Uh, because you're not going to come right out of the cannon and, oh, I got 20 jobs. No, it'll, it'll trickle in. You'll get two here, three here. Uh, one week you might not get nothing. Then you'll get another two. Then as you start to beat more and more people, more will come in and more will come in. So I'd say in the beginning, it'd be best to invest about 10 to 12 grand. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of competitive companies you could buy your machines from. Um, although it's a little bit pricey. On average, um, other than other than water damage, say like for for a roof tarp, you could easily get anywhere from seven to twelve grand, depending on the square footage. So you know, if you get the right job, or if you happen to land a fire job, which is cha-ching, getting everything out and everything, you're talking about maybe twenty to thirty grand. So that more than covers any investment that you put in. 
and in a short period of time, you don't need a five-year plan to look for profit. You don't need a 10-year plan. You network right, a couple of months. You get all your money back and then everything is gravy. Everything is gravy. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then the key is just uh, being relevant, going out there, refreshing your licenses, go to courses, study, study, study. See, see what's the new products that are being put in houses. Now, now they have the, the these uh, laminate floors now that are 100% vinyl. So guess what? No water damage. You know, those are things you need to learn. Uh, a lot of people that don't know, then they go in there and they tell the adjuster, oh, man, you got water damage on, on the wood floors. Like, dude, it's vinyl. <laughs> Why'd you rip this up? It's vinyl. You can't touch that. So, you know, you got to stay up, up on the times. Because yeah, you, that's good to know too. I mean, look, I'm not afraid. I mean, I guess it's less work for us if everybody had vinyl flooring. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think that's great for people to know for homeowners. That, yeah, you know, right. that there are there are floors out there that don't really suffer any kind of water damage. I mean, obviously, yeah. you got a flood with three or four inches of water, you're probably going to have some trouble. But you know, even with something like that, it might not. It might not. Yeah, be. I mean, it's out there. They even have tile now that looks like hardwood flooring. Yeah, and it's porcelain stuff. Yeah, and it's gorgeous. I mean, but it's out there. We need to be aware of it. So when we go out there, you know, we, we don't embarrass ourselves or the adjuster by telling them, oh, you can claim this and you claim that. And then when they actually go, they're like, dude, what, what is this? You know, so we, we, the more you know, the better. So always stay on top of the latest things that are out for the home, because that, that's, what's, that's what you'll be able to use when you assess them. Interesting. Interesting. Well, Trey, we've been over an hour. Wow, really that fast? <laughs> well, usually when we're on the phone, it's usually about two hours anyway. You're right. That's so true. <laughs> That's so true. It's usually a Friday or Saturday night. We're probably God knows how many beers in. Yeah. And, and we're just like talking about uh, you like your video games. Remember, my dad had the old video game and you love, we talk about that. And we talk about work. God, we talk about a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, no, no. no. We, we, go, we go off on, <laughs> we just go from here to here and then, yeah, is it midnight already? Shit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I figured that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because, I mean, I want to make every single one of these podcasts just like this, just a conversation. We're just having fun and, and just yeah. I, I mean, this right here stresses what should be the, the overall theme here for anyone that wants to get into this business. It's networking, mm -hmm. knowing who you're dealing with. Actually get relationships with them because when it's all said and done, all you guys are going to be in the same boat if one claim gets flat yep. so even though the opportunity is there and even if someone comes and be like i can give you 30 jobs tomorrow well who are you you know what's your track record you know look them up yep. do your due diligence know who you're dealing with insurance fraud is not a joke <laughs> I, I could give you numerous uh scenarios of people that um went down one public adjuster can bring down 50 more and then another hundred and something mitigators with another 20 handymen, plumbers. I mean, if you Google it, you'll find it. And, and it's all there. So that's why I can't, I can't stress enough. Know who you're dealing with. Because technically and litigiously, you're married to them. It happened, it happened to a buddy of mine, good friend, not too long ago. I'm not going to get into specifics because I don't want to even bring that stuff up. But because of, an act, because of the actions of the public adjuster, and whoever they were working with, he was just coming in and doing what he's got to do. Turns out he had no idea. There was like a serious investigation going on. And yeah. 
and the shit hit the fan. Yeah. I, I walked away from jobs. Got to. Got I, I, to. I actually walked away from jobs. I'll just give you one, which was hilarious to me. AC leak. Okay. You know, an AC leak when it freezes, especially for just a regular residential house, you're talking about what? Maybe a gallon or two of water. If once it thaws out, well, apparently this AC leak went through the whole house, which means you were actually stepping on water into the bedrooms. Like a flood. Everywhere. Yes. And you're like, hmm. I walk in there as an AC freeze, so I call the adjuster. I'm like, am I at the right house? Do you say AC? No, it's AC freeze. I said, dude, this is impossible. This AC must have been freezing for two years. This is not possible. Plus, this water is too damn clean. I said, between you and me, I think before, I, when I called him, because I always call before I show up, you know, he said in Spanish, oh, saca la manguera, and he just started, he just went oh, to work yeah. with the <laughs> You know, and when I saw that, I looked at him, and I'm like, so you're telling me this is the AC leak? Oh, yeah, 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 yo, man, the AC water everywhere, and I'm like, okay, there's no hard lines going here, so I said, you know what, um, I don't think there's something that I can do. Oh, what do you mean? I was like, you need to contact your adjuster. Yeah. And I quietly, I didn't, I didn't argue. I didn't want to get into any specifics with him or anything like that. I just quietly just, and I left. And I had a big conversation with the adjuster after that. And I said, dude, that's the most suspect thing I ever saw in my life. If I'm wrong later on, I was wrong. I'll be mad enough to admit I was wrong, but my business is on the line if I co-sign this. So I'd rather walk away. It's uh, it's not how you build a long term business. Is people will fly by night trying to get that quick money grab, and they are just desperate and looking for whatever they can. But like I tell all of the, all the adjusters that contact me on a daily basis, I'm just like, there's claims out there. We talked about that. Oh, there's yeah. plenty of claims for everyone too. You know, one thing I like about what I'm doing now is I'm actually communicating with public adjusters all over the country, and we all say the same thing. Most of the people that reach out to me are very serious about what they're doing, and if they're still listening now after an hour and whatever minutes, they're serious about what they want to do. Right. So, uh, you know, I just I tell them that there's just there's claims. There's enough claims for all of us, for yeah. all of us, and they're always going to be. No such thing as being cutthroat in this business, and no such thing as oh, this is my territory, your territory. No, there isn't. Because when it's all said and done, you have to commit. You have to convince the customer to sign your contract. So you have to talk to them. They have to feel. They have to feel safe that you know what you're doing. You know, you have to build that confidence. You know, you just can't just run up in there and just start ripping things apart. Respect. Well, you know, respect their home. You know how it is. I mean, you got claims. You got to rip stuff apart. And I, I, even though I know it needs to be done, I feel terrible for doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, when I realize, or when I assess a situation, I see that I actually have to rip something out. Especially when those little old ladies are looking at me with that face. I sit down with them for at least twenty minutes to be like, "Look, baby, it, it has to go." It's a little I'm old so ladies. That's yeah. your that's your Achilles heel. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, I, thank God they're not the, my primary clients because I lose my ass. <laughs> <laughs> you would just be working for free. You'd be homeless yeah. by now. Uh, I might as well be a charity because I'll just give it all away and be like, okay, do whatever you want. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> all right, Dre. I mean, uh, I think we've covered pretty much any everything. Um, oh, I did want to say to anybody who's still listening that Andres, it covers All-Star West. There's All-Star South in Miami. I'm assuming it's called All-Star South. 
or just all star? Yeah, just, just uh, all -star. we're all star servicing West. Uh, we we uh, we service all the West Coast, you know, from Naples all the way on up, Orlando, you name it, we go. Um. So. Yeah, because I'm gonna put here that people could fast forward to this part anyway. So, uh, yeah. So Dre, Andres, he services everything in Central Florida, basically, right? Tampa, Orlando. Uh, yeah, I know you live like in the Palmetto area or something like that. But which, for people in the area, I live right before the Skybridge, so they'll know exactly where it is in Manatee County. St. Petersburg, Clearwater. So anybody who's listening uh, to this podcast, I'm telling you, you're getting top of the line work. I've been working yeah. with Dre now for over a year and he's, he's one of the best in the business and just honest, honest guy. He's not trying to screw anybody. He's not trying to screw the, the public adjuster, not the client and not the insurance company either, frankly, because he understands, you understand that if you're going to be fair, if you treat the insurance company fair, they're going to treat you fair most of the time. Oh, yeah, you just got to make sure and document everything properly and you have, you can answer any question they throw at you. And if you could honestly answer every one, there's nothing left for them to argue about. Right. I welcome all public adjusters. They're, they're, if they're interested and they're working in the central Florida area, please give me a call. Now, mind you, um, it will start with us having a face to face mm -hmm. and it has to be over a meal or some liquor. I'm sorry. God, God, Gotta have it. it has to happen. I look, I never thought about it, but I remember you told me your reason behind doing it, and I thought it was interesting. Dre told me that when he first meets somebody, he likes to meet somebody in a very, I guess, social setting, as social as possible. It's to make very relaxed. Feel very relaxed. Yes. And if you get some oddities or something that doesn't seem right when they're supposed to be feeling relaxed, then it might not be a person you want to work with. Yeah, I, I strongly feel that, you know, when you see small things that are wrong, that means big things are wrong. Right. And again, in this business, when I do business with somebody, I'm stuck with them. It could be six months, two years, three years, four years. If the insurance company decides to file a lawsuit over a certain claim, guess what? They'll, they'll, call, they'll call you three years later. You totally forgot about it. You spent the money and all that good stuff. The client spent the money. Everybody's good. But then they what? They serve you that little paper. You well, that, shows, that shows the stand-up guy that you are. You, you have to go that route, man, because it, it's insurance is necessary. I mean, everybody needs it. Um, so you just got to do what you got to do and follow the policy. It's right. all there in those 80 pages. It's all there. You just got to read it. I know it's a pain in the ass, but you got to read it. <laughs> if not, that's what we're here for. We do know the policy. Vince does know the policy. Public adjusters know the policy, so they know how to correct these insurance companies when they want to conveniently tell you that damage is only $500 when they really should be 30 or 40. Right. Right. Well, uh, Dre, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I want to thank you for uh, having such a great, strong relationship for the over the last year. I feel like we've known each other for years, even though it's only been about a year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I definitely feel the same. Absolutely. <laughs> like I said, you are a stand-up guy. Thank you for coming on. And like I said, public adjusters, if you're in the Central Florida area, this is the man that you want to call. And I think that's all that I've got. Is there anything that you would like to add, sir? No, no, not at all. I, I, I think everything I need to be covered was covered. Cool. Well, thanks again. And I'm going to end the broadcast. Don't go anywhere. All right.